Today we're talking about hope. And I'd like to start out with Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. Proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Let's pray. Glorious Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this hope. We do thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son, perfect in every aspect, down to earth, humbling himself to walk with man, to teach man, and then ultimately to become sin on man's behalf, to pay the penalty, to pay the price. Through Christ's blood, you view us as righteous. What an amazing thought that is. What, what joy we have in our lives because of that. And through Christ, we have a hope. We do thank you, Lord, that you are here with us this morning. We are grateful, Lord, that you brought this body of believers together so that we may corporately worship you. We may lift our voices to your glory, that we may hear the word taught from the pulpit. We do thank you, Lord, that you continue to work in our lives. You continue to refine us, sculpt and mold us as you are the master potter. We ask, Lord, that as we sit here today, that our hearts would be focused on you. That as we hear the word today, we would not be hearers only, but we would take this message and apply it to our lives and be doers of the word. Pray, Lord, that we are light of this world as you are called light. We are not called to hide under a basket or off in the woods, but we are called to be in this world, not of this world, but in it, and being light. Help us, Lord, to share the gospel, the good news to those around us, Pray that you would give us the strength and energy, the courage to speak boldly your truth in this dark, dark world. We do thank you, Lord, for this morning. We pray that this service would be to your glory and your honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This past week, a sister in Christ commented to me that I like to reference meanings from words from the dictionary. She showed me her copy of Webster's 1828 American English Dictionary, and I was quite impressed. So I figured we'd have to have some definitions here this morning. But I'd like to start with the current modern-day dictionary.com definition of the word hope. And it is this. The feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. What a warm and fuzzy definition that is. Webster's 1828 definition there's two definitions. The first is this, a desire of some good accompanied by with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. Hope differs from wish and desire in this, that it implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. Hope therefore always gives pleasure or joy, whereas wish and desire may produce or be accompanied by pain 
and anxiety. The example, the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Job 8.13. The second definition, confidence in a future event. The highest degree of well-founded expectation of good as a hope founded on God's gracious promise. That was founded in Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I love the second definition published some 195 years ago. Confidence in a future event. Our hope is not a feeling which passes. These days in this world, it seems like feelings are passing minute by minute, if not second by second. Our hope is not an emotional high. It is not wishes. It is not fantasy. And it is definitely not going to Vegas, heading to the nearest roulette table with your life savings, placing it on 13, and having a feeling that will turn out for the best. Or it's not storing up our hope in a local sports team, dare I say. No, I won't. Hope as possessed by a child of God, a believer, one who has accepted Jesus as Lord, who has been saved by, from eternal damnation by the blood of Christ. Hope is not chance, but rather it is a reality. Hope is a promise. It's a guarantee. What is this hope? As Jesus said in John six forty seven, truly, Truly, I say to you, if God ever repeats himself, listen up. It's important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. It is a culmination of God's grace and mercy, of God's love. Like 1 John 3, 1 says, see how great, the Father has see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God and such we are. Doesn't that make you just want to jump up and in a very non-charismatic way shout, yes! Thank you, Lord, for saving an ugly wretch like me and giving me a hope. We have a hope because he who reconciled us back to himself has stamped our citizenship in his kingdom for eternity. And he is trustworthy. He does not lie. John MacArthur once said, the very word hope is like turning on a light in the darkness. It's like bringing joy into a sorrowful situation. Or it's like introducing life into a scene of death. Hope is a word that immediately brightens, lifts, and produces joy. Life without hope is bleak. I would tend to, to agree. Life without hope, in my opinion, is the definition of misery. I like what Mr. Webster said in 1828, back in Job 8.13, the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Proverbs 10.28 says, the hope of the righteous is gladness, but the expectation of the wicked perishes. 1834, Edward Mote, a cabinet maker in England, wrote the hymn, The Solid Rock also known as my hope is built on nothing less. Simplistic in nature, it's followed me all of my life. The first verse starts with this. My hope is built 
on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says this, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes in what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly we wait eagerly for it. The hope Christians have is not mere chance. It's not a one in a million thing. On contrary, it is a sure thing for the elect. So what does this hope mean for our daily lives? What does it mean for us? How ought we to live our lives and how ought we to think? Romans 12 is a how-to chapter. I'd like to read Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say, to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as so to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to grace, the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If, if prophecy, according to the pro proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now we get to the meat and potatoes, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation, devoted devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, at so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then Paul quotes from Proverbs 25. But if, you, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12 is a manual on godly living. God's instruction for us to live our lives in a manner worthy of bearing Christ's name. If you are a child of God, the battle is already won. The gift is given. Hope is yours. The work done on the cross is done. Forgiveness granted. Reconciliation completed. Hope is your reality. If your hope is in the world, you will be sorely disappointed. Your best life is now because you have no hope for the future. If you don't have God, you don't have hope. As we read from the 1828 Dictionary, confidence in a future event. God's promises will come to fruition, and that you can bet on. Have confidence, Christians. God's promises are all going to come true. Please stand for our last three songs. In Christ alone, my hope is found. We have a faithful God. When he says that Christ will return, he will return. That is our hope. Until then, we've got Romans 12. If you haven't read Romans 12 recently, I urge you to do so. Individually, as a family, do it tonight. If you're ever getting depressed, if you're ever seeing darkness, this is how we ought to live our lives. This is our prescription. This is God's instruction for us. Clear as day. God's word gives us everything we need.